0: Good morning, good afternoon. It's like between both. Um, welcome to the newcomers. Thank you. <laughs> Maybe you can just um, tell me your names and then uh, and uh, and if what um, uh, background you have in Talmud and in Levinas. And if you have none, that's perfect. <laughs> so
1: um, I'm Layne cats. I just graduated uh, from Rama's and have been studying Talmud um, for. Four years, um, okay. and alongside Tom, with Rabbi Soloveitchik as well. Um, I'm currently studying at Oxford University philosophy, so I've been exposed to a bit of us okay. um, mm-hmm. But I'm hoping to take courses at Trisha in the spring mm-hmm. when I return from my semester abroad. Mm-hmm. Um, and just wanted to try out this class because it interested me, and that way I get a feel for Trisha. So.
0: Okay. So, you are, you are studying it in England?
1: Yes, mm-hmm. okay. just for this semester.
0: For this semester? Ah, so you won't be coming for the whole so s- I will season? No,
1: yeah. but I will be here in the spring. Okay.
0: I don't have any of
2: that <laughs> It's okay. <laughs> it, it's an introductory class, so in
0: let's don't be it's intimidated. i kind of
2: minimal. Um, what, so what's your name? Pessy. Pessy, okay.
0: So, no previous knowledge in Talmud or in, in I'm asking it because mm-hmm. you... Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Again, I, um, hi, welcome. Hi. I'm um, re-emphasizing this is an introductory course, so there is no pre- need of previous knowledge. Um, hi, I'm
3: Suri Sugarman. Suri?
0: Yeah. Hi. And... Um, you can, also, you can add whatever you want to add, if you want to say something about yourself, but uh, do you have previous knowledge in Talmud or in divinas?
1: In Talmud, yes,
2: and i learning just a little from other people that I've mm-hmm. studied with, who have occasionally wrote
0: a okay
2: quotation. Mm-hmm. No. Okay. So... <coughs>
0: Last week we did a little introduction, both uh, geographically and also uh, I tried to present uh, Levinas' Stamudic uh, Lectures, which is a very singular project um, um, in uh, Levinas' work, uh, and I want just to um, restate the two main points we have seen last week and eventually read um, one or two texts that I have invited you to read I don't know if you had the, the occasion to read it if it was did, did you have a hard time with it or it was difficult yeah okay that's the nature of those texts uh, I have a kind of uh, technical difficulty in this that's what yeah, uh, we will um, uh, try together to, gather technical, to
2: d- technical words
0: technical words so we, we uh, I'll um, uh, I'll try to that's a little light on, on those texts. But just to, um, um, to remind what we said last week, we asked why Talmud? Why does Levinas comment on Talmudic um, texts? We asked why d- doesn't he comment on perhaps Kabbalistic texts or Hasidic texts or um, uh, philosophical texts? Jewish philosophical text. Oh, why doesn't he engage himself in r- writing um, a kind of treaty, a treatise of Jewish philosophy which he doesn't do he, he, he writes philosophy, general philosophy but Lévinas does not write those big works we know from the history of Jewish philosophy such as The Guide of the Perplexed of Maimonides or Hermann Cohen in Modernity, etc. Et and we said that for Lévinas it would be a little uh, repeat a little bit what we said, and then we will continue. We said week that for Levinas, neither theology nor mysticism are the right ways to relate to God, to relate to transcendence. Theology, from the one side, relates to God as an object. Theology tries to understand God as if it was something in the world that we have to know which essence we have to understand. God is an idea, we have said last week. Mysticism, or Kabbalah, or ecstasy, or, or even um, well, a kind of pious relation to God is a relation in which, for Livinat at least, the human subject is negated that's why he's not interested in a kind of mystical experience of God and maybe we can just go through the first text um I, yes I should have and I just have to you find them back. here
2: um yeah, Mom beard, I'm
0: sorry. Uh, let's see if I have more text um this is
3: but
0: I'm doing it for uh, someone. Should I make a few copies? No,
3: because I m mean, I I mean, I, mean yeah, I don't think you can solve it without the question.
0: Okay, so uh, let's let, but have, I should it? have that's what I did. Yeah. Um, um let me let me just go through those text. It's not very organized here. Uh, The difficult freedom takes. Kind of surprised because okay, maybe could you could you make like um, three, uh, four copies? Two okay. need
3: a copy. Yeah.
2: One,
3: two, three. I'm sure yeah. <laughs> okay. So don't on.
0: What? No, no, I'm I won't, I won't continue because I don't have my text, so you
3: gave it
0: out last week but So I just um, again for the newcomers just elaborate a little bit more on, uh, on those two ideas. Um,
2: and
0: yeah. Livinas is not a theologian. Levinas is not a kind of um, philosopher who tries to explain what the essence of God is is doing something far more complicated, let's say, or different at least, which is and which for him is more um, um, original. More authentically, that was fast. That was very fast. More authentically Jewish, which is to comment upon Talmudic texts. And in the text we we'll read now, we we'll see how Nevinas distances himself from um, a kind of religious attitude, which consists in uh, just I need my copy too. <laughs> oh, okay, thank you. Um, a kind of religious attitude w- w- which consists in kind of merging with God, trying to be in a kind of ecstasy, in a kind of uh, 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 um, unity with God, which Levinas again um, criticized. So it's on page 14, if you take, uh, now you have my copy, so it's you, c- you can follow where the alpha is on the left side. It's the um, second paragraph um, from. The, um, after the, the, the title and here is what Nominas says the numinous or the sacred in a moment I will explain what yeah. numinous yeah. means yeah. the numinous okay. oh. or the sacred envelops and transports men beyond his powers and wishes he is trying to uh, describe here this kind of mist- of, of ecstatic attitude of of one uh, uh, that is engaging in a kind of mystical encounter with God. The nominus of the sacred envelops and transports man beyond his powers and wishes. But the true liberty takes offense at this uncontrollable surplus. We are hurt by the fact that we lose our ability to, to be in control. The nominus. Annulates the link between persons by making beings participate, by ecstatically in a drama not brought about willingly by them, an order in which they founder. This somehow sacramental power of the divine seems to Judaism to offend human freedom. And to be contrary to the education of man, which remains action on a free being. Not that liberty is an ending itself, but it does remain the condition for any value man may attain. The secret that envelops and transports me is a form of violence. Okay, so, first, technically, uh, Lévinas uses here... Uh, a term which comes from the history of um, religious philosophy, religious thought, which is the nominus. The nominus is a term which um, 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 designates this kind of hidden or mysterious quality that one uh, can attribute to God. So, for instance, in medieval texts, you have this idea of a mysterium tremendum, it's a kind of uh, um, uh, trembling, a trembling before the mystery of God, before the numinous quality of God, before this kind of uh, amazing uh, um, uh, depth of of God. And and one of the tasks of of mysticism, both in Judaism Islam and uh, in Christianity, is, in a way, because we cannot understand this numinous quality of God, because we cannot grasp this, 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 this abyssal depth which belongs to God, the only way for us to communicate with God is, in a way, just to try to merge with this kind of extremely high and uh, uh, holy uh, being, and this, and this merging with Him uh, it is, possi- is 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 made possible through mystical practices, and again, those who have knowledge of it, this can um, uh, relate to it. But uh, last week, I gave you just the the, 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 this, the, the uh, as an example. If, if you think of um, African tribes, you probably saw National Geographics when they are kind of this kind of those kind of ecstatic dances, when where they are. Uh, lifting themselves up uh, more and more, and they are in, in this th- with this kind of rhythm, kind of very, very uh, uh, cut to rhythm, and the, the feeling of those participating in the, those dances is that when they, they form a kind of, of unity, a kind of uh, oneness with this object they are worshipping, with this god, totem, or um, animal that they are worshipping. Even says there is a violence in this. What is the violence? Um, that, uh, uh, that, that is ex- exerted upon uh, man in these practices, well, we get lost. The human subject is completely lost. Th- that's in, in, in a way, that's the condition of an ecstatic experience. Uh, ecstasy means, the the etymologically, status is to, to be on the ground, to be in a place, and ecstasy means to be out of our jobs, out of our place, to be out of ourselves in a way. Divina says this is not a Jew, this is not the Jewish way. This is not the Jewish way. He says, This, somehow, sacramental power of the Divine seems to Judaism to offend human freedom, because, again, we are completely lost in this experience. What Lévinas seeks for, or what he understands by the term of Judaism, is an action on a free being, not an action on an alienated being, not an action on a being which is completely submerged by uh, sacred power by what he calls the numbness. So that's why Levinas is not interested in those kind of experiences. There is no experience of God or an experience of God is possible only if we sacrifice the self which Levinas is not prepared to do. The, other, the, the, the alternative for this and that, with this i finish my Little, um, a little recapitulation. The alternative for this is, again, I'm repeating myself, theology. Theology is the opposite of this. In theology we are not, in ecstasy we are not outside of ourselves, but in a way we are too much in control of ourselves. In a way we, we don't really relate to God. We, we leave God in a kind of separate realm, in which we are, of course, interested. God has an idea, we want to know God, we want to understand God. But again, for Levinas, here is another way of not relating things to God. And this is the point where we arrived last week, we said what Levinas is interested in. And this, this is, in a way, the Alpha and the Omega of all of Levinas' philosophy. You have it. You had it already last week, now I give it to you again, the second uh, time we we meet, we have all of us. is about trying to understand what a true relation with, let's say, otherness, and we we understand the concept better, the more we continue, what does a true relation with otherness entail? What, how can one enter in the true relation with the other? And this concept of the, the other, God, which is other than me, is, if you want, the major concept in Levinas' the other. That's why if you open the textbook on Levinas, or if you open the encyclopedia, you will see Levinas is the philosopher of the other. Lévinas is the philosopher who is interested in understanding what is what a true relation with otherness, with the other. And here you hear already, and I'm, I'm planting some seeds, you will see that we will try to uh, understand better all those ideas the, the more we continue, but you can hear already in this formulation that you can, uh, um, uh, you can uh, um, understand it in two ways in two ways you can interpret this formula I just used in two ways what does it mean to enter into a relation with the other you can say just very earthly which is not earthly as we will see what does it entail to enter in a relation with another person what does it mean to be in a relation with another person this very prosaic (laughs) thing which we think we understand completely which we exercise in our everyday life for is the major intrigue of 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 human existence. What does it mean to enter in a relation with the other? But you can also hear it in a more metaphysical way. What does it mean to enter in a relation with absolute otherness, meaning with God? Otherness can mean either the other man, my fellow man, my neighbor, and it can also mean God. And for Liminas, throughout all of his writings, is trying to understand the relation between our relation to our fellow man and the relation with God. And he links them. There is no relation with God that is not already a relation with the other. And there is no relation with the other which is not already a relation with God. And now I will, I want to, I'll ask you to open the second text. The second text I'll ask you to, and here I think I I have, um, I have, um, here, for those who have no texts. Oh, maybe, no. Do you have page thirty-two? Did I give you thirty No. Page? no. Okay. So can you ask this to?
2: What's your name?
0: Muki? Okay.
3: Okay.
0: Uh, after the class, I give you more copies, but I don't find them. I, I, those who want small texts, uh, those who weren't there last week, uh, I. Did it okay and here here we are in the text um, the, the the previous text we read was from uh, um, Digital freedom um, Divinás collected essays on Judaism. Mm-hmm. The text we will now read is from the introduction to the Talmudic readings we will study together. Temptation of Temptation from uh, the first uh, pages of this. It's
2: kind of
0: difficult one. Dif- difficult. Freedom. Okay. I I think you wrote it down already. Last yeah. week, but you can. Um, so this is from. As you can see, the Temptation of Temptation, which is a Talmudic lecture we will study uh, in the first part of our class. And um, if you look in the fourth paragraph, take the fourth paragraph, where Lignes is commenting, it's a very interesting comment, on his usage of the word God. And he says the following. Finally, and now he's relating again to his commentary of the Talmud, Finally, in my commentary, the word God will obscure rarely. It expresses a notion religiously of utmost clarity, but philosophically most obscure. This notion could become clearer for philosophers on the basis of the human ethical situations the Talmudic texts describe. And here you have, ultimately, the explanation of why Levinas comments upon the Talmud. Okay, because, I read again, because as a philosopher, Levinas is a philosopher, when he cannot, he he is abstaining himself from taking the word God as something which self. Explanatory or self-understood, and he says this notion of God. I'm reading again the sentence. This notion, the notion of God, could become clear for philosopher on the basis of the human ethical situations, meaning on the relation with the other. This is what ethical situations are about, about our relation with the others. Well, on the basis of those human ethical situations, the Talmudic texts describe we can have a better understanding of God, or we can have a better understanding of what it means to be in a relation with God. Okay? So, here you have the explanation of why Divina asked this with the Talmud. Because, again, the Talmud is about very prosaic human situations. The Talmud does not deal with the essence of God, it doesn't, it's not an ecstatic text about divinity, it's a text in which we learn what we have to do if uh, two people have, uh, uh, are holding together a piece of uh, cloth, and we don't know f- to whom it uh, belongs. The Talmud is about trying to understand what should I do if I find some, uh, uh, something in the street which I don't know to who it belongs. Talmud is about those questions. And Talmud is also about trying to think through those situations while introducing to the debate a commentary on the Bible, on verses. Again. And we will see all those those who Don't have experience in those texts, that's what we uh, will experience here, the the Talmudic text. But the Talmudic text is about trying to resolve human ethical situations through a reading, to a rereading, to a commentary, to a discussion on the verses of the Bible. So already the Talmud, which is a very singular textual object in the history of, of, of world literature, I could say, already this text is about dealing simultaneously with the ethical and the design, with the Bible and with human situations. Let's just read this the, the, the paragraph until the end, because the end of the paragraph, again, are, they are very nice, uh, very strong formulations. Uh, I'm continuing uh, to read from where I stopped. The reverse procedure would no doubt be more edifying and more pious, but it would no longer be philosophical. Either. Theosophy is the very negation of philosophy. We have no right... To start from a pretentious familiarity with the psychology of God and with His behavior, in order in order to understand these texts, He means the texts of the Talmud should not presuppose anything about God, because even as in other texts. Well we don't drink coffee with God in the morning. We are not we don't have this kind of familiarity which permits us to suppose some things that we should could know about him. In which we see traces of the difficult path which led to the comprehension of the divine. And here are the strong formulations coming to light only at the crossroads of human journeys. Again, the comprehension of God of the divine Comes to light only at the crossroads of human journeys. If one can express it thus, it is these human journeys which call to or announce the divine. So, what Liviness basically wants to do is to understand God. Again, not to understand God, because for Liviness it would be nonsense to try to understand God, but to understand the relation with God to understand what the nature of our relation with God is through ethical situations. The Talmud, the Talmudic text lends itself to such an exercise. I want now to go to 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 the text itself. Um, It is a text from Traktat Shabbat, um, page 88, which deals with the revelation of God on Mount Sinai. So, um, I've glossed a lot about the fact that Talmud is about human ethical situations, the text we will study is actually about a very central moment in the metaphysical history of Israel. The, the Do you have the I will in a moment. I will. I will, uh, make it. I will, I will. give it to you. You can already. You can already. Are there enough? I think so. There should be like ten of, the, of them. So uh, Levinas calls it the temptation of temptation. That's the title he gave to his transmedic lecture on Tractat Shabbat. The Talmud is divided in uh, 24. I don't know uh, how, many, how many volumes there are. Something like this: 24, 28, 26 uh, volumes. Every volume has a subject. It's not completely true, but it basically leads to the subject. One of the volumes with the Shabbat, it's a very voluminous volume, and uh, and in this volume we have uh, this passage dealing with the um, uh, giving of the Torah at Mount uh, Sinai. I won't give a general introduction on the time because this is a class for itself, it would take too too long. Instead of giving an introduction to the Talmud, we'll just study Talmud, which is always better than just talking about Talmud. So we'll just study, and um, during the, this term, we'll have the occasion to study together, I hope, three of livinas Talmudic lectures and so we'll give those who never um, never read those texts the kind of expression of how those texts look like, and for those who have more experience with those texts, to give an occasion to, to, to see how a philosopher reads those texts, which is not less interesting. Uh, I, will just say, I will just say, and this is how Levinas sees the Talmud, that for Levinas, and again I think this is not something very original, this is something quite uh, common, quite accepted in the, let's say, traditional currents of Judaism, for Levinas, the Talmud is Um, the classical Jewish texts. The the Talmud is, if you want, the the bedrock, you say this, the bedrock of of Judaism. I think I, last week I already quoted Livinath saying, for Livinath, Judaism is the Bible and the Talmud. And again,
2: uh, this
0: this would make kind of consensus, I don't well, there are always, in Judaism there are always people who discuss, but, but the majority of, of Jew, Jewish columns, they will see the Talmud as, as the, 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 the source of every Jewish uh, knowledge, of, of Jewish philosophy, of Jewish ethics, of Jewish... They will always try to retrace their ideas in the Talmud. Again, not in Kabbalistic texts, not in philosophical Jewish texts Those are more peripheral uh, texts Even Kabbalah uh, relate to Talmud, philosophical texts, Jewish philosophical texts relate to Talmud Talmud is really the... Evina said uh, Judaism is the Bible and the Talmud Christianity is the Bible and the Old Testament and the New Testament and, and, uh, and Islam is the Old Testament, the New Testament and the Quran. So, all those, the three monotheisms have a particular way to relate to the, what they call the Old Testament, to the Bible. Our way of reading the Bible goes through the Talmud. That's why the Talmud is so fundamental uh, for, for Judaism. So, without um, more introductions, let's um, jump into... The text itself. So first we just, we just read this very strange text, as, as you will see. Uh, I, I didn't brought the original because we want to do a very in-depth study, we'll, we'll leave it to, to live in us, but just um, we'll read once the whole text in uh, without stopping, and as we'll see during uh, our study of the text, we'll completely um, uh Analyze it and uh, and look deeper into it. So, before, could you could you take the yeah uh, the, the Tanakh? Uh, I'm not sure there are enough. Um, this is uh, one. What is this? Ah, is that,
3: uh,
0: okay. So if you can open those with the GPS, Mm -hmm. um, you can you can follow with the GPS. Sorry, Um, 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 Exodus chapter nineteen. Chapter nineteen. Yes, 17 is the um, verse the Talmud is commenting upon, but I want to read, just to give us the context, uh, from verse 10. So, it's on page 154 in the JPS edition. Do you have it? So, uh, so we are really at the, the, the most important moment in the history of Jewish revelation, Mount Sinai. And here is what uh, the uh, Torah says Maybe someone could read instead of me With my very poor English accent um,
2: when you want us to start?
0: From uh, verse 10 From verse 10 to mm-hmm. verse 17 And the Lord said to Moses
3: And the Lord said to Moses Go to the people And warn them to stay pure today and tomorrow. Let them wash their clothes and be ready for the third day. For on the third day the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people on Mount Sinai. You shall set bounds for the people round about, saying, Beware of going up the mountain or touching the border of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall be put to death. No hand shall touch him, but he shall be either stoned or shot. Beast or man he shall not live. When the ram's horn sounds a long blast, they may go up on the
2: mountains.
1: Moses came down from the mountain to the people and warned them to stay pure, and they washed their clothes. And he said to the people, Be ready for the third day, do not go near a woman. On the third day, as morning dawned, there was thunder and lightning, and a dense cloud upon the mountain, and a very loud blast of the horn, and all the people who were in the camp trembled. Moses led the people out of the camp toward God, and they took their places at the foot of the mountain.
0: Okay, thank you. And then we have a very rich description of God's appearance to Moses and to Israel. And on chapter 20, you have the Ten Commandments. So we are really in the prologue, in the introduction to the to the Jewish Revelation. Basically, what this text is about, is about preparing ourselves to receive the Torah. God says, well, you should prepare yourself, you should be pure for three days, what is called Shoshet Yemea Akbalah, you should be uh, separated for three days before okay. I... I will reveal myself uh, to you, and the last verse we read uh, goes: Moses led the people out of the camp towards God, and they took their places at the foot of the mountain. So here we are, really uh, like waiting for the show to begin, mm-hmm. and you know, like standing in front of the of of, of, of the mountain, and the Talmud commences this verse because in the Hebrew it states I didn't ask you how your Hebrew is <laughs> you, have, you have a okay not so good, not so good. <laughs> and they stood on the bottom of the mountain the translation says on the at the foot of the mountain, both this translation and one uh, you have the Koran translation, says, at the foot of the mountain, but betachtitahal, tachat, underneath. is underneath. Right. Tachat in Hebrew is under the mountain. So, if the translators would have been more literal, they should have written, they should have translated, and they took their places under the mountain. And, the Talmudists are, who have who, extreme sensibility to the Hebrew language, ask said, "What is this formula? Why isn't it written before the mountain, before the mountain before the mountain? It wouldn't, it would be more, make more sense ha Bifnear, mular, in front of the... There are a lot of possibilities. But here the Hebrew say something very strange, and the rabbis comments upon this um, anomaly, this linguistic anomaly. And a lot of Talmudic uh, commentaries start from linguistic anomalies. Maybe we'll see more of them. So, um, here is the text. Rabbi Zimi bar Chama bar Again, for those not familiar with the text, it is a, a multi-authored text. The Talmud is a text which is which, which it's authored by uh, by some, some. It was written down by um, um, Ravuna, Rava and Rabuna in the fifth century, but it relates the sayings of of all the rabbis. Let's say from the second to the fifth century. That's for the part we are studying. So, here we have the opinion of one of the rabbis Ab Abdimi, son of Hama, son of Chasa, has said, This teaches us that the Holy One, blessed be He, inclined the mountain over them like a tilted tub, and that He said, If you accept the Torah, all is well. If not, here will be your grave. <laughs> okay, so that's the, that's the. so you understand how the, the the sages really said that they were not at the foot of the mountain, they actually, they were under the mountain, and they were in a very, let's say, uh, um, what is
3: coerced, dangerous position. Yeah,
0: dangerous, coerced, uh, uh, right. they were quite kind of under the menace. we continue reading, we we'll see that's Levinas, Levinas' task is to, to what, what does it mean, of course? What does it mean? That the, we are, the, the rabbis tries to present us how the Israelites received the Torah and what they have to say, well, they received, they received it under menace, under threat. What does it mean? Mm-hmm. But I won't, uh, I won't interrupt the reading now, I'm going to read it throughout uh, the end. Rabbi Akhabar Yaakov said, That is a great warning concerning the Torah. Rahabah said, They nonetheless accepted it in the time of Ahashverosh, for it is written in the scroll of Esther, the Jews acknowledged and accepted. They acknowledged what they accepted. Uh, said, it is written in the Psalms, from the heavens, thou didst utter judgment. The earth feared and stood still. If it was frightened, why did it stay calm? If it remained calm, why did it get frightened? Hmm. Answer First, it was frightened, and towards the end, it became calm. And why did the earth become afraid? The answer is provided by the doctrine of Rish Lakish. Needed to say that those, those, those um, uh, figures, that, we are, that, that the Talmud quotes, are uh, spread over three centuries. So they were not discussing one with the other, they were discussing one with the other in a kind of, over the time, over a very great lapse of time. It's kind of intergenerational discussion. Reishakish taught, what does the verse mean, everything came, then morning? was the sixth day. Now we have a verse from Genesis, from the um, from the story of creation. The defined article is not necessary. Why the sixth day? Why not sixth day? Yom hashishi and yom and yom shishi. God has established a covenant with the words of the beginning. If Israel accepts the Torah, you will continue to exist. If not, it will bring you back to kings. This is the first section of our comment of, of our Talmudic text. Again, if you are completely lost, that's completely okay. It's a very strange text. Um, it's a very weird text. But that's the, first, that's the first, let's say, part of the text. And now we are continuing, the, the, the Gumara, the Talmud continues, and he will tell some more things about the uh, event where, when the Israelites received the Torah. And so it goes. Rav Simai had taught. When the Israelites committed themselves to doing before hearing, so now we are in another subject, another verse in the in the in, in the Torah says, as you know, that the Israelites when they were at Mount Sinai, they committed to doing before hearing. Naaseh So now there is a commentary on, on, on this idea. We will have to ask ourselves, maybe what's the relation between Naaseh and this? strange situation when in which the Israelites are under the mountain. But let's leave this to, to live in well. Here is how uh, the Kukmar continues. When the Israelites committed themselves to doing before hearing, 600,000 angels came down and attached two crowns to each Israelite. One for the doing, the other for the hearing. So it's a very beautiful scene where you see angels coming down and attaching crowns on the Head of each and one of the Israelites. As soon as Israel sinned, 1,200,000 angels came down and took away the crowns. For it is said, the children of Israel gave up their ornaments from the time of Mount Hol. After they sinned with the golden calf, the Talmud, the Talmud says, well, now we, we needed more angels. In order to 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 tie uh, crowns on the head of Israelites, we needed only six hundred thousand, and now we need one million two hundred thousand, or the double. The children of Israel gave up their ornaments from the time of Mount. Rav Chama bar Chanina said, "At Chorev they adorned themselves, as was as was just said, and at Chorev they gave them. Chorev is the other name of Mount Sinai, and at Chorev they gave them up." According to our verse, they renounced from the time of Mount Horeb. Rabbi Yochanan says, Moses deserves to keep them all, for it is just said just afterwards, now Moses will take the tent and continues, Rishlachish like said, The Holy One, Blessed be He, will give us back the crowns in the future, for it is written, "Those redeemed by the Eternal One will come back thus, and will re-enter Zion, singing an eternal joy upon their head, eternal joy, the joy from of old." So this is a very weird passage in our uh, in our text. Um, It's really Disney world, like you see angels coming putting crowns on the heads of the Israelites and then they are sitting so they are taking those crowns back but they are not taking the the crowns back to heaven they are giving all those crowns to Moses and then we have a promise that when the Messiah will come uh, in the future la tida mostly it relates to to the absolute future to the uh, messianic future we will receive those crowns back so a story about crowns, a story about a mountain in upon the head of Israelites, and now we'll see the last part of our uh, passage. Babylon has said, When the Israelites committed to, them to doing before hearing, a voice from heaven cried out, Who has revealed to my children the secrets the angels make use of? For it is written, Blessed, Bless the Lord, O his angels, you mighty ones, who do His words, hearkening to the voice of His words. So, Naasev Nishma is a kind of angelic uh, attribute. To do before knowing is something that angels do. Avkama Bar Khanina said, like an apple tree amidst the trees of the forest, is my beloved amidst young men. A verse from the Song of Songs. Why is Israel compared to an apple tree? Answer, to teach you that just as an apple tree fruits precedes leaves, excuse me, that just as on an apple tree fruits precede leaves, Israel committed itself to doing before hearing. Very strange metaphor about the apple tree, which, uh, fruits fruit its leaves. Last pass, uh, passage, a story, story about the Sadducees. It was a, a group of people. We will elaborate on it when when we we'll, when we'll, uh, arrive to it. The the rabbis are called Pharisees, and the Sadducees were another group of uh, Jews who were. Uh, competing with them about the uh, understanding of the Torah basically a sadistee saw Raba buried in study holding his fingers beneath his foot so tightly that blood spurted from it he said to him people in a hurry for whom the mouth passes before the ears you always find yourself in a state of headlong haste. you should have listened in order to know whether you were able to accept. And if you were not able to accept, you should not have accepted. Sadducee actually asked a very common sense question to to, to, to Rabba. Why 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 wh- what is this idea of accepting before hearing of Nastering A Question we all I guess had once uh, in our lifetimes when reading this, this very strange passage What is this Nasevel about? What does it mean, Nasevel Ishma? Rabbi answered him It is written about us who walk in integrity The integrity of the upright guides them About those who walk upon tortuous paths It is written The crookedness of the treacherous destroys them That's our passage we will admit it's a very it's a very rich passage, which of metaphors, which of stories, which with debates. Very strange. It's not quite clear what uh, the internal logic of this passage is. How 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 do those different paths relate one to another? We can have a kind of intuition, of course it speaks about Sinai, but we have very diverse Angles, very very diverse um, uh, perspectives on uh, what is happening, and the Talmud just um, deploy this, develop it as one continuous sequ- uh, sequence. It continues, uh, of course, and it has uh, previous texts, but that's the that's the sequence we uh, we will analyze before before entering. Um, into Levina's uh, commentary, I want to look more closely, to invite you to, to think one moment about the, tit- the, the title of, the, of this Talmudic lecture. Temptation of Temptation. What does it mean, Temptation of Temptation? It's not a rhetorical question, you can... <laughs> <try to answer. laughs> you know, I didn't decide, so now I, I'll open the floor. What, what do you hear in this, this, this uh, strange re- repetition? We all know what temptation is. We all know what temptation is. The first Adam in the Garden of Eden was tempted by the fruit of knowledge, by the, the tree of knowledge. We are tempted by I don't know good food, money, different luxuries, etc., etc. Good Broadway show.
3: Studying Talmud. Mm -hmm. Studying Talmud.
0: God bless you. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I completely, I completely uh, agree. Studying Talmud can be a very hard temptation. Mm -hmm. So we understand what temptation means. We are tempted. We are tempted human beings. What does it mean, mm-hmm. Temptation of Temptation? Temptation... Puissance 2, how do you say? Uh, to the second,
3: to the second
0: the power. To the second power. Mm-hmm. Temptation of Temptation.
3: Excuse me, could you say, is it called La Tentation de la Tentation Yes, it's French?
0: called tentation, La Tentation de la Tentation. Thank you. Thank you. you. How, how, what, what was your... What?
3: I just... L- let It's yeah. not yeah, no, its language. It's so strict. Strict. Yeah, yeah. There It's very. So I couldn't
0: or. imagine in another way, but yeah. Thank well you. Uh, it's la tentation, la tentation. Temptation, la tentation. Pitouia, pitoui. Hebrew they translated it. Pitui. Pitui is to be tempted. To be tempted. So what? How would you describe something which would be called... Temptation of temptation.
2: Well, the lure temptation just it for itself, like just for the that something that can, something that you wouldn't have. as so opposed to like the actual object, just the emotion or the experience of looking for something.
0: Okay. Temptation of temptation. Somebody wants to add. Temptation of temptation is, you would say, not. Being tempted by something, but being tempted by the conditional itself of being tempted. Mm-hmm. I don't want something. I want to want something.
2: Psh, very
0: strange. It's very strange.
2: But you see it because sometimes when you acquire the thing that you want, right. it loses its value, right? So the excitement is in the temptation, and not actually, in the not acquiring it, but in the being tempted by it. Right? When we see it biblically, the Amalekites
0: Okay. Very good. Uh, I just collect your intuitions, because this is exactly what we will study in the first part of our study. Temptation of temptation is a kind of um, profile of the union condition. This is what Levinas will try to do. But first, you, you
3: so had. So I was going to say there's, I can't remember who it was, there's a, an important American sociologist who talks about the abstract rage to consume.
0: The abstract, the rage. abstract
3: rage to consume. That's what this is, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. like it's what you mm-hmm. said, what you both said, it's not about, I'll get this and then I'll be satisfied. It's about the continuing the constant wanting. I'm the sorry, the constant wanting. Yes. Yes. yes and and, be, and liking to be in that or, or in this enjoying or being tempted to be in that situation.
0: Okay. I'll push you more because you are really going to the way Livinas is is going. What what is joyful? What is so Exciting, or what? What is so? Why? Why? Why is this condition that you just described a condition that we long for again? If you identify yourself with this description, I think every one of us in a way can relate to it, can feel where it uh, where it encounters us in our in our lives. What? What is? I would say, what is actually tempting in the temptation of temptation? What is? that which we want when we want to be tempted by temptation. To
2: fill our lack. Again? To fill our lack whatever we feel. To feel? To Like it's a need to feel. To feel. Things.
0: But you say that we don't want to feel. We want to remain in this in-betweenness. Okay. We want to remain... In front of the how do you say the where you have exposed the the, the, the beautiful the clothes the étalage you say in French um right, the, the, the the window no the
2: window yes the
3: shop window your shop window yes. you, you want to
0: stay before the shop window you want to stay before you don't want to enter it. Well, you want to fantasize, fantasize about entering in, in it and you are really we are extremely. Um, uh, convinced of what, that we actually want those those clothes, but what we really want is to be where we we are. At least, we we have a very, we we gain a lot of satisfaction, a lot of pleasure of just um, standing there. So, I'm asking you, and last week we spoke about phenomenology, this is phenomenology. What we are doing now is phenomenology. Try to to be precise about what is our attitude, what, what does it what does it um, entails to relate to the world as if the world was a window shopping, a shopping yeah, window. or or if or if you want as if the world was uh, uh, um, a screen, a PC screen, because that's that's I would say the, the modern version of the temptation of temptation. We are in front of our PC screen, or the iPhone screen, etc. And what we have in front of us is what, in the professional language, they call virtual reality. We are not in reality, we are in a kind of virtual reality. And we are not in virtual reality, because there is nothing, there is nothing such a thing of being in virtual reality. We are in front of the, of the screen.
2: How don't we want to stand outside the window shop we just it's not you, the
0: c- you c- can't afford <laughs> to <the> self you can't do this
2: temptation it's like the human condition but it's not necessarily a desired human condition
0: you say it's not desired it's not necessarily it's just because the temptation doesn't make
2: it a good thing we have and that's I say a lack like you have a need to always a need for something that you don't have but you, are you that
0: kind of meaning of that thing To be tempted, normally, when you speak about being tempted by something or desiring something, then it's something that, that, that gives you a kind of a satisfaction. You are not, uh, you, you're not longing for, I don't know, working in the coal mines. It's temptation of working in the cold mines.
2: Right. Okay. not necessarily a positive value to be that way. No. That's what you're saying. I think we don't do. necessarily even on ourselves view this as positive. Like we have a to do Perhaps confidence. we are
0: critical about ourselves when we are... That, that's, that's true. But now we are trying to describe the situation. Maybe we will be critical. Maybe we will uh, appreciate it negatively, this condition, and that's what living us will try to... Stay, but but, but. but, but the, the act itself is very pleasant. The position of oneself in front of the world as temptation of temptation is a kind of something which... If this is our condition, then we find that in a way valuable.
2: But, but so it's pleasant w- to stay outside the window? Yes. Definitely. I for a lot of us it's Definitely.
0: very pleasant to stay outside doing the window. But I ask, you can, if you disagree, it's um, okay, but I want to first to to try to ask you why is it so pleasant to stay and I think someone already
2: the the word temptation has a negative connotation to it meaning Mm -hmm. that the instant gratification is extremely desirable but sometimes at the core or in the long term the results are not exactly the best to your...
0: yes, yes Definitely. So, there is something negative attached to this.
1: And this, what you're this. describing is almost, I, I heard this, I think, yesterday, and, um,
2: somebody was talking about addictions, and it's almost that temptation to go for something, because
1: you want that instant that even when you know you don't want it, it's like you want to want it, yeah, because yeah. the fantasy of it is it. already so very it. exhilarating. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. Again. Yeah, so you're yeah.
1: a so,
0: fight, so what are you enjoying here? I feel
1: like it gives people a sense of purpose.
0: I mean, of having a sense of purpose? Like
3: they're working towards something, or they have something to live for. Because it's just
0: but, so, but then the temptation will suffice if you are tempted by, I don't know, Talmud. Right. Uh, that I d- you d- that's the first degree temptation, you can say, it's a kind of desire. Why do we desire? Because there are objects of desire which can uh, um, guide us in our lives and give us a sense of purpose. Um, but temptation of temptation is something more ambiguous, more... Uh, again, I invite you to think about it uh, and try to... Um, try to find for yourself what is what's actually this position we are in when we are tempted by temptation in temptation itself, yeah?
1: Well, temptation itself forces you to interact with reality mm-hmm. or an object, which mm-hmm. forces you to enter into some relationship with an other, whether that's a human being or the object itself. Whereas mm-hmm. in that... Frailty as part of the human condition can precipitate disappointment and all sorts of other mm-hmm. things. Whereas temptation to be tempted by such a thing doesn't really involve that element of uncertainty and disappointment that's associated with the temptation itself.
0: Okay, so, I, so, so you, are, you are guiding us a step forward and you say there is something in temptation which, in which we are in a relation with something. At least there is an object of my temptation. I am in front of the world. I can t- try to achieve some, d- I can t- to realize this. Temptation. I can try to realize my desire or my temptation. I can be deceived of not being able to realize. It. But at least I am in front of the world. Temptation of temptation. And here I'll will st- we'll stop our our uh, preliminary uh, thoughts about this this title. We we'll see our, that's exactly what Levinas tries to explain. Temptation of temptation is about both being inside and outside, not committing, about being in in, in this in-betweenness in which I am not really in the world, but at the same time I'm completely in the world. Or, if you want to state it in yet another way, temptation of temptation leaves all the possibilities open while temptation itself is a temptation towards something. If I'm tempted by the condition of being tempted, then I have no object in front of me, besides the very situation of being tempted. So I'm not really in the world, but... Yet we... Yet I'm... In a way, everything is in front of me. Everything is before me, everything is still possible without m- being committed to anything. Forliviness, and here is a very, I would say, extreme judgment, because there is something negative implicated in this use of the term temptation. Forliviness, this is the condition of the Western human being of Western society.
2: Uh,
0: Next time I I just... Do Do you have... 32, no,
2: 32. we have 32, 32, 33. you
0: have? Okay, 34, 35, you have?
1: Uh, You mostly have a copy of the um, 32,
0: 33. First, I'll, I'll, afterwards, I'll give you, here, 32, 33. Thank you. Um, Um... Okay, 32, 33. Someone needs more? Uh, yeah. You should have those. I can give you... No, I didn't... That is, okay. Okay. Do uh, yeah. oh, you, you have another one? I uh, think... I have page. I'm sorry. No. I, okay, next time I'll prepare more. Um, last paragraph of this... Uh, of page 32. The temptation of temptation may well describe the condition of Western man. In the first place, it describes his moral attitude. He is for an open life, eager to try everything, to experience everything, in a hurry to live, impatient to feel. In this respect, we Jews all try to be Westerners, just as Gaston Bachelard tried to be rationalists. I won't bother you with the uh, you know, internal French cuisine of the different persons involved here, but... <coughs> Ulysses' life, despite its misfortunes, seems to us marvelous, and that of Don Juan, enviable despite its tragic ends. One must be rich and spendthrift and multiple. Before being essential and one, with what conviction conviction this did Mr Ammar utter the words to enter history this morning I, I remind you this is this was given as a closing um, closing uh, uh, um, speech of the Congress of the Jewish intellectuals in France uh, this one was from from 66 I think or something like this um, So, he's relating to previous speaker. Above all, we cannot close ourselves off to any possibility. We cannot let life pass us by. Let's stop the reading here. Multiple, that's that's the key word here. We value being multiple. We value being able to participate on very diverse, different Levels of reality, being involved in a lot of uh, different spheres, but more than being involved, knowing, being in contact through knowledge, more than through actions, to know what's happening, to know what's happening. We cannot cannot let life pass us by, we have have to be informed, we have to be on Google, Facebook, uh, Twitter, all those, and that's before Levinas. Uh, I mean, before Levinas was before. We want to taste everything, we want to taste everything, we want to know everything, we want to try everything. Of course, If the idea is that everything should be possible, that everything should be open, that if, if our ultimate goal is to, again, to be able to taste everything, then this is possible only in one way. If, we'll never, if we never choose something, if we never choose something. Everything can remain open only if we never choose something. Everything remains open only if we don't commit totally to one thing. Committing totally to one thing is viewed in the eyes of Western men as something. We say in Hebrew chaval. It's a pity. Why you have so much things? So we said. We cannot, you cannot let life pass by you. Choose one thing, is letting life pass by you. Uh, only if we do not choose something can we remain open to everything. Can everything remain there as a possibility? And again, this is possible only if we are simultaneously, inside and outside. Never really inside, never really outside, of course. Only if we experience without really experiencing. We just touch, we just touch those things. We never really commit, we never really jump into the waters. We just want to feel if it's warm or cold, but we we'll never jump into the into the water.
3: We also want to say, "I did that." Sorry? Part of the temptation of te- this kind of temptation is we want to say, "I've been there, I've seen that play, I've gone to this." That's part of it. This acquisition mentality.
0: Yes, but in the sense that I've never been. I've been in, uh, in Israel, there is, uh, there is something very uh, popular, I don't know if it's in the States, but uh, they go to, um, uh, in, uh, in, in India, they go to those um, sanctuaries, ashram and they experience like Buddhist uh, meditations, etc, etc, uh, I'm taking it just as an example um, but of course, afterwards they come in and they study business administration and then they, uh, we, that's the we, let's not exclude the we our society values this kind of uh, tourism you said we stay yeah, we go to France, we eat the croissant, but we are not French right. uh, we go to, uh, to India, we are in the ashram, but we are not really Buddhist we hear the Dalai Lama, but afterwards we go to the McDonald's this kind of multiplicity this kind of multiplicity is about what you're saying, experiencing everything, but it's experiencing without experiencing, Absolutely. it's experiencing without committing, it's always being both, again, inside and outside. Levinas, on page 33, gives a very nice description, uh, description of it, um, let's take, um, on the bottom of the page, I, if you can... Um, Pass this through. It's the continuation. Just pass it through. Take one and. Yeah, there's one. Uh, I think there are just seven copies. So don't enough. Okay, okay great. So let's read from the bottom of page 33. Um, okay. Here is how it goes. Uh, the temptation of temptation is not the attractive pull exerted by this or that pleasure. That would be just temptation. To which the tempted one risks giving himself over, body and soul. That, that's what, what you describe by. Like, you could be involved. You can be tempted by something. And here is Divinass' uh, take on, on this uh, formula of temptation of, tempt, of temptation. What tempts the one tempted by temptation is not pleasure. But the ambiguity of a situation in which pleasure is still possible, but in respect to which the ego gives its liberty, has not yet given up its security, has kept its distance. What is tempting here is the situation in which the ego remains, the ego, the the self, the human being, just... It's n- it has no Freudian con- uh, connotations or something like this, just the ego remains independent. But where this independence does not exclude it from what must consume it, either to exalt it or to destroy it. What is tempting is to be simultaneously outside everything and participating in everything. And we read, next, uh, one more phrase, where he gives us the first definition of temptation. Temptation of temptation is thus the temptation of knowledge. Knowledge... And knowledge is not only a, uh, intellectual knowledge, sense that we read books. Knowledge is this kind of attitude you yes. just described. Knowledge about... I came from the, in the... I was in the metro today, so... Uh, subway, subway, you say here. Yeah. Subway, and uh, they have their are I don't know if it's because of Halloween or because there is this haunting house. There is a, in yeah. Times Square. There is a haunting house. Oh. So, so that's a very nice example because a haunting house is a place where you can experience fear, which is the most terrible feeling that you can experience, but it's contained. You know that you enter, and that you will, and that you will have. You will experience something, but at the end of the experience, you will just continue with your life. It's contained. You can experience it, but you are not really in it. You are, and here it's, 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 it's even more um, strong because there is no such, a fear, no, no such um, feeling as a fear to, 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 to give you the impression that you are completely in it, but in fact, you are not. So you are deceived. What they are giving you is an experience of... an ultimate experience of deception. You think you... F- you are f- but actually you're not... Because fear is about really being in danger. Fear is fear of death. And death is not entering a... Uh, a haunt and a, a haunting house. Uh, fear is about being in a very dangerous situation, etc. etc. Fear is about going to war. It's not about entering in times Square. Uh, so, then, I, I sorry, just because I talked about so, so, and you have, you have a lot of those, you know, um, uh, uh, examples in our Western uh, uh, culture. A haunting house is, I would say, the, the what, what gives them the most, you know... Mm-hmm. Epic phenomenon of this, of this, this, what? Like amusement park. Or, yeah, right, right, exactly.
2: Exactly. Exactly. The road, exactly. exactly. The exactly. right, thrill of it. Exactly. You know, in the end, you're going to be fine. but yeah. You're still scared when you're up there.
0: Yeah. You
2: know, yeah. There those, those, horror. those,
0: uh, extremes, the, those extremes, those, what they call the extreme, the uh, experience mm-hmm. of extreme, but without really being in danger. No? Without. um, would take, I think the whole, the haunting house is a better example because here you are you know you, something can go wrong with those yeah, roller coasters okay, yeah, you know but
2: that's right. yeah okay.
0: so here we have first definition of temptation of temptation temptation of temptation is knowledge now page 34 you see how um Let's let's read um, the second paragraph after the on the second part. You see, it's separated by a blank. So after the blank, the second paragraph. Um, I want to read this passage because here we will have a kind of first link of this this, this, this idea of temptation of temptation with the Talmudic text we read. Okay, that's that will be our uh, at the end. it will be the go- our goal. to try to try to understand how this very rich and powerful description of Western man, has, has anything to do with the Talmudic text. So, let's, let's read this paragraph this, this and you will, by yourself, you will understand the link if you didn't do it already. Again, to join evil to good, to venture into the ambiguous corners of being without thinking into evil, and to remain beyond good and evil in order to accomplish this, is to know. And those are all situations which describe this being inside and outside in one and the same time. One must experience everything through one's own self, but experience it without having experienced it. Yet, before engaging oneself in the world, for experiencing itself is already committing oneself, choosing, living, limiting oneself. To know is to experience without experiencing before living. We want to know before we do. Mm-hmm. Okay? and here you have the inversion of the So That's how this description will relate later on with the what the the, the event of of Mount Sinai gives us. To know is to experience without experiencing before living. Want to know before? Though. But we want only a knowledge completely tested through our own evidence we do not want to undertake anything without knowing everything and nothing can become known to us unless we have gone and seen for ourselves regardless of the misadventures of the exploration (laughs) and then let's let's read two more sentences because here he, he, he he Goes even one step further, leaving us. We want to live dangerously but in security in the world of truth. Seeing in this manner, the temptation of temptation is philosophy itself. So we started from a. I will comment a moment in a moment upon this, this sentence, but we started with kind of description of our way uh, of being in the world, how we relate to reality. And then we tried to give this a name. We said it's knowledge in a very specific sense, in a very, let's say, large sense, it's knowledge. And now Livina says, temptation of temptation is philosophy. Because philosophy is about knowledge. Philosophy is about knowing everything, without never actually committing. Theoria, in Greek, means to see, to look. Looking, seeing something, contemplating something, and philosopher speaks about a, a life of contemplation, vita contemplativa. This would be the highest, highest uh, vocation of man to live in contemplation. Well, contemplation, looking is exactly being inside and outside. Touching touching with the eyes we say this in English to touch with the eyes in French we say touch les yeux touching with the eyes is both touching but not touching it's like being inside and outside philosophy théoria again in Greek théoria means théoréin from the Greek to see, to look, to contemplate Theory Philosophy is about theory, a theory, and not a practice, a contemplation, and not a touching, not a really grasping of reality, that is what philosophy is about. And in this sense, the Western man is, I would say, a natural-born philosopher. He could not know this, but he is relating to the world in something which has a lot to do with philosophy. says it explicitly um, that okay I'll, because we are already at the end of our session um, there is a, there is an intimate link and I uh, we have I have suggested it already last week, and now we see how Lévinas does it in his text, Suggests that for Lévinas there is a relation between the Western culture and philosophy, between, we spoke about it when we spoke about the catastrophe of the shore. that, that for Lévinas can, you cannot undo this, this tight bond that exists between Philosophy and the civilization which grew up from uh, philosophy, which is Western, Western civilization. Here, Levinas does something even more uh, uh, fine, something more uh, precise, I would say. He really tries to. He describes here every, the everyday life, the most common way of us to relate to the world, and he says, well, there is in, in the if, if, if you if you dig deep enough, you will see that there is a link between this way of relating to the world in the sense of temptation of temptation knowledge and philosophy I want to end with one phrase uh, which, with, uh, with which we will um, um, begin our next session uh, which is on page um, 34 uh, on the second paragraph of the On page 34, Let, let's let's read from from the, the from the beginning of the second paragraph, and we we'll stop at the, in the middle. The temptation of temptation is thus the temptation of knowledge. You, you follow me? Okay. The repetition, once begun, no level, no longer comes to a stop. It is infinite. The temptation of temptation is also the temptation of temptation of temptation, etc. Okay. The next sentence is the sentence which interests me, which will interest us next week. The temptation of temptation is philosophy, in contrast to a wisdom which knows everything without experiencing it. If you want, here you have, in a nutshell, this is what we will have to unveil to explain the program of Levinas in this Talmudic lecture. Opposing the temptation of temptation, or philosophy. philosophy, opposing philosophy, to what he calls here, Wisdom, a wisdom which knows everything without experiencing it, he Next week we'll start with this, with this formula. And then um, we'll get to Livina's commentary of the Talmudic text uh, itself. Shavu uh Those who
2: want more texts, just